Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And we have the pleasure, the honor, and the fun of talking with this Anna REI mom, Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing great. Always great to be here with you on a Wednesday. One of my favorite days of the week. Oh, that is so nice to hear. Folks, if you don't know already, Anna has the biggest playlist on the channel. Been with us the longest. You can actually go back and see what her and I were thinking in 2019 and 2020. Lots of good stuff there. So um, let's get started. You ready? I'm ready. So you and I, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, got to experience that last housing crash up close and personal. We had been buying before it, during it, after it. Not only do we see ourselves, but we saw lots of friends and family get crushed by it. Yes. So given our experience, I want to talk about what would have to happen to have a national housing crash on repeat or 2.0 or whatever you want to call it. So this is not going to be about any local market, which obviously may have its own things. I want to talk Case Shiller, national numbers, going down 10, 20% this year, what would have to happen? Sound like fun? Sounds like fun. So when I think about this, Anna, where I go to first is what has to happen is both supply and demand almost have to go backwards. Because what I remember from the crisis as it built on itself, it just felt like waves just coming in and in and in, is we had supply show up seemingly every week. It was distressed supply, meaning it was a foreclosure or short sale. Somebody had to go right at the same time where demand stopped. Now, demand stopped because of a recession. Demand stopped because we were scared. But also, let's not forget, banks stopped lending. So yes. when I think about the last crisis, that's where I go. And then obviously, we, go, we can go deeper from there. But I always go back to supply and demand. Do you remember it that way? I do. Um, you know, obviously, times today are very, very different. I mean, there are some similarities that are a bit scary, you know, if you really think about them. But a lot of those underlying fundamentals that you talked about are just not there today. You know, and, and part of that in terms of the, the demand side was that interest rates were ticking up, but there were so many different types of mortgages that made it easy to get mortgages that you really couldn't afford to get. And so people were paying top dollar, being in these variable, variable rate mortgages, you know, on the residential side. And then all of a sudden, not only did, did we um, basically have a lot of fraud in the underlying system, but the economy itself started to collapse. And granted, it was very real estate driven. But once companies start going under, the financial system basically implodes. Not only was there a recession and a housing crisis, but there was a, a true um, economic crisis that had trickle down effect. People were losing jobs. Their prices were, you know, they were upside down on their mortgages and they simply couldn't pay. So mm -hmm. all of those things were happening at the same time, which we don't really have that right now. Most of the loans done in the last 10 to 12 years have been for really strong borrowers and at really low interest rates that are locked in for a very long period of time. We just didn't have that before. 
Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to break this down both supply side and demand side. We'll go to supply side because that's the easiest, right? Sure. Again, we had kind of the lending structure of all, you know, the, the bad lending started in 05 and got worse through 08. Hence, hence, again, I was in it, folks. I'm not somebody who's only been doing this for five years, we, right. 20, 20 some odd years. It was bad lending in 05 that built on itself and became unaffordable. And also the bad... So 50% of national loans that were initiated in 06 were adjustable rate. Yes. Most of those had a clock of two years. Hence, the wave started to crack in 08 and really built in 09. Why? Because it takes a year to foreclose. I mean, right. all of these things, you know, it, it busts in 08, but you foreclose in 09 and 2010 was my best year. My market, 75% of loans were adjustable rate mortgage in 06, hence 08 in nine and 10 problems. So right. you're right. The, the, we don't have a, at least currently, right. Coming into 2022, 97% of loans were fixed. And now has, it has grown in the last three months to now 13% are adjustable rate mortgages, but they're not two years. The average right. is five years. Absolutely. And uh, I've also read that over 80% of mortgages are below 4% interest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the interest rates are so incredibly low People don't have to worry about their payments doubling, which in many cases did happen, you know, in the run up to 2008 and nine as interest rates literally went up double because they got these low teaser rates mm -hmm. and then they had, you know, then they went up without really a ceiling. Yeah. So I want to talk about that next, because this is where I think most people, frankly, get it wrong. And it, and, and, and they're either doing it for clickbait or they just truly wish it repeats, right? Because they missed it or, or whatever. Housing is on the hierarchy of needs, right? Water, food, shelter. What happened last time when these resets happened, the payment doubled, but more importantly, more importantly, the payment exceeded rent, right? People yeah. had a financial decision and said, hey, my payment was a thousand. Now it's 2000. I can rent down the street for 1200. The bank's not working with me. I'm just going to stay here until they take it because I can move down the street for $1,200 and save $1,800. Right. Hence the word strategic default. People, go look up strategic default. It was a strategic default was it made financial sense to leave. And they yeah. just waited. Some people got two years of living rent and mortgage free because it took that long to foreclose. Right. That's not happening today. If you lose your home today, you're going to rent somewhere else and like for like, you're going to pay through the nose if you can find something. Right. So, so why is this important? I do think unemployment doubles and maybe triples if this gets really nasty. I agree with you. But people are going to look at this going, hmm, do I want to get rid of my house and go rent like for like or even downsize and pay the same amount? Because most people don't want to live in their cars, regardless of what you say. Right. And they're going to go, no, I'll get roommates. I'm going to have my aunt or my cousin or my niece or my brother live with me because a house is better than an apartment. So again, right. we are, we are, will not have waves of strategic, strategic defaults was a term at parties. I'm strategically defaulting. I got 19 months of free and this and that it's not yeah. coming. I knew people that did that and it was, it was mortifying. Right. I mean, as we're like struggling to, to survive here, people are just not paying, you know, just not paying their bank, but essentially you had two things. So again, you had this rapidly increasing value of homes that was not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And then you had the rates going up. And so people's homes really went down in value very quickly while their rates were up 
and it was still cheap to rent and rents went down in some markets too. We don't have that today. We have fairly stable home prices when you look at supply and demand across the country mm-hmm. and really low interest rate mortgages that keep your keep your cost to own generally less than your cost to rent even mm-hmm. still even still today because rents have gone up. Now I do think that we do have an issue with overpricing again, overvaluation in a lot of markets. And so if there's anything on 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 the supply and demand that I think could cause softening in prices, mm-hmm. not a 10 to 15% crash and you know nationally, but a softening is just that if you look at a lot of major markets today in terms of where their home value is compared to the underlying fundamental of wages in the markets that are that are basically allowing people to be employed and make those payments, the the house price, your mortgage as a percentage of your income has definitely gone up significantly Mm -hmm. in a lot of markets. And so I think you do have some similarities there where we're seeing astronomical rise in prices within a two-year period. Mm -hmm. That could cause some adjusting. How much really depends on the local market supply versus the local market demand. And that's why we won't have a national housing crisis or a national crash, but we may have certain pockets that eventually the underlying fundamentals, especially if you have employers that start to lay people off, just cannot sustain housing prices and mortgage payments where they are. No, I totally agree. The biggest issue that we have today is affordability, which is, you know, I, it's so important. I wrote about it in my first book and it's the thing that I watch. Affordability is back to 2007 levels, which is not a good thing. Right. It's not a good thing. Uh, to me, the, the, you know, the other things we've talked about, to me, it just means real estate's going to be flat until wages. Again, this is nationally speaking, as, as Anna has just said, and I want to reiterate, go learn your buy box. Yes. I am not here talking about your buy box. Your buy box may have local things or that, that, that a, you know, a 20% crash could happen. Like I've called Boise out like six or nine months ago. Yeah. That kind of feels you know, like you had a lot of people come in and some of them are going to leave that boomerang and, you know, could, could be a problem. So there will be some with problems, but nationally speaking, it's not a problem. I think it's far more likely that housing just plateaus for, you know, right. five, six years. And it's all because of affordability. Uh, affordability is, is a real thing. Uh, and yeah, and you, you did have this mass migration. This is something that's different this time than last time as most people were staying put. There were no work from home. I was AIG's very first work from home employee in 2007, the very first one. So it was like, no, nobody can work from home. You got to be in the office. Now, many, many people are working from home. So they've migrated. People left California, moved to Boise, moved to Las Vegas, moved to Phoenix, moved to Austin. Those towns where there was this mass increase in demand suddenly and very low supply for that increase in demand may be hit harder. They tend, I've, I've read that those markets are 66 to 70% overvalued mm-hmm. compared to the wages that are currently there for the jobs that are there in that market to sustain them. But a lot of these people that have moved in there, Michael, are very wealthy, lived in California, lived in New York City where housing was really expensive. Same thing's happening like in Miami, Florida, West yeah. Palm Beach. They're, they're going in those areas and that's rapidly increasing the prices. But the question is, will that new demand and that mass migration continue or was it this blip and now it's just going to kind of flatten out? And then at some point, if the wages don't keep keep up, your housing prices could go down a bit. 
But like you showed last week in your amazing spreadsheet, right? Over 52 years or 54 years, mm -hmm. generally speaking, housing prices have gone up on an inflation adjusted basis, 1% per year forever. Right? That's exactly right. Yeah. When you, when you take out the nominal and create real housing 52 years, it's one point like one, three percent or something. Right. So there's very rarely a crash. And if there is a crash, usually you bounce back. How long it takes to bounce back is the question. But again, as long-term buy and hold investors, I'm not that concerned if the value of my properties, my rental properties go down. As long as I can have rents cover my mortgage payment and my expenses and make a bit of a profit, it generally bounces back, right? Yeah. So if you're flipping, you're wholesaling, you're in this, I got to be in and out before potentially values come down, you're, you're at a little more risk. But when you buy one rental at a time and you just keep adding your, to your portfolio, you're going to have blips that may come down a bit in certain markets, um, but you just have to be able to weather it with cash, yeah. with reserves, et cetera. Yeah, it really drives people crazy because I get I get all the haters all the time going, hey, your portfolio is going to fall 50% um, and you're going to go out of business. So I'm like, well, A, you don't understand 30-year fixed rate debt. You don't understand yes. rent inflation. So, okay. And oh, by the way, I invested through a market where mine went down 75% and I came out stronger. So, you know, if my words mean anything, I hope Fresno crashes 75%. None of my debt's a problem and I'll just go buy a lot more. So, right. But one of the reasons for that, Michael, and I know we're going to talk about this a little later today, is that you've got low interest fixed rate debt. You don't have to worry about that debt resetting. On purpose, yes. And, and you know, resetting or being variable, like on the commercial loan side, where they're looking at LTV, they're looking at our yeah. debt coverage ratio. It's not enough them. to just pay your mortgage. You've got to also maintain those ratios. So if values come down in your commercial, you've got some of those, there's a little more risk, right? Or yeah. if you've got variable rate loans on your single family investment property or, or four unit, mm -hmm. lock in still historically low rates for 30 years so that you can weather any ups or downs that may happen in the, yeah. the values of your properties. I totally agree. So again, the supply side, again, what you where if you're going to have a national housing crash this year or next year, you need supply to come on the market at a fast rate, at a consistent rate and dwarf demand. In no markets, at least none that I've heard of, Supply is coming on. Even Las Vegas. I interviewed Brian Lebo yesterday. Uh, Inventory is up 25% in six weeks, which sounds nutty until you realize days on market, Anna, went from 14 to 17 days. <gasps> Come on. I mean, really, folks, is that what we're talking about? So again, the trend is there. I think the real estate slowdown is real. We, I just don't see, I don't see waves. Even, even if unemployment triples, we go from 36 to 10.8. What would happen? Well, first and foremost, a lot of those, you know, half of those are renters, not owners. So, you know, that doesn't affect owners. The other 50%, they can get other jobs. It's not like you're put on some scarlet letter list and never get a job again. Right. Um, and oh, by the way, again, it's, it's that strategic default. It just won't happen. It won't be, I can stay here be for free and then rent down the street. Now, we will have foreclosures, no question. And right. I even think foreclosures could go up a thousand percent, but we're still going to be below the long-term trend. Banks are working with people today like never before. They're given right. seconds and 40 years. It's, it's just crazy. So that's the supply side. Now let's talk about demand. Demand's a little shorter, right? There was a time, obviously all the banks were failing. You know, the, the Fed was working out these uh, forced 
marriages, as you remember, you know, country right here, Washington mutual there. Right. And, um, banks stopped lending. I remember trying to get a loan for a cheap house. Yes. 800 credit, seven figure net worth, six figure income, never missed a payment. And the bank said, no, me too. I'm like, you can say no. I mean, what are you talking about? So, uh, they turned off for a couple of years because of that. Cause they just had a yes. mess to work through. I don't see that today. Yeah. You know, so many good points. And I, and I, I, I'm always thinking like, like you said at the beginning of the show, what's this, what's similar to before and what's different, you know, from before, I think one of the big differences, again, just to hit this home is that, that rates are so low for most homeowners that for them to give up that house, Not their happening. rent may be just as much or more. Oh, it'll to be more to move, right? It'll be more, yeah. And a lot of people that that moved in the last two years, while rates were low and they could their value of their home suddenly went up quite a bit, they could upgrade to that step up buyer to the next house. Now, if they want to sell their house, they can't even go lateral. Sometimes they have to get a smaller house for the same price. And so, with interest rates going up, what I think is going to happen is that the supply is going to get even tighter. Exactly. People can afford to move with where interest rates are going. Yeah. And so that's very different from before, which will keep housing in certain markets still up, mm. maybe not up another 20%. Let's hope but, not. But yeah. housing prices in certain markets can actually stay up because that supply is so limited yeah. because people aren't moving unless we have such an economic collapse. And I'm not ruling that out, right? Mm. Nothing surprises me anymore. But you look at the stock market. Mm -hmm. You look at a lot of these big companies that have, for all intents and purposes, are a zombie company or close. Essentially, the the income that they're making from production isn't quite covering their debt. Mm -hmm. And they're being hammered in the markets. And we are starting to see a little bit of a wave of layoffs more more announced every day. Mm -hmm. So if you have significant layoffs or companies go under because of the underlying fundamentals of everything that's happening in in the world, geopolitically, Mm -hmm. um, financially, utilities, inflation, et cetera. If that causes a a larger unemployment than we think, or it hits certain industries hard that are in your market, then you will have people having to move. You might have housing prices come down. I'm a little concerned. I'll give you an example of of Austin, Texas. Like my family's really close to there. I've looked in Austin for a year and a half for great deals, nothing cash flows, right? So it, it is ranked as one of the most unaffordable markets right now where housing prices are so mm-hmm. outside of fundamentals because of the hope that all these tech companies are just going to keep coming. Well, the NASDAQ's being hit pretty hard. So if tech companies start to go under, and again, I'm seeing daily news of that starting to happen, mm-hmm. suddenly all these people moving there paying top dollar, hoping that wages are going to keep going up, those companies may not continue to build and grow. And yeah. you may lose some of the um, demand that you've had and so even though housing supply is below, if you lose some of that demand, you could start to see some values come down in, in markets like that. No, I totally agree. That's why it won't be a national housing crash. There definitely could be some locales that got above their skis. Yes. And um, yeah, that, there's no question there. Know your market. Know your market. Yeah. I'll, I'll just put one little plug. Forbes just did a series and mm-hmm. they have a, a national map and they've had three different major data providers look at the housing fundamentals in major markets throughout the United States, looking at the home prices versus the wages that underlie them and the companies that support those wages. 
And they've basically ranked how unaffordable an area is or how overvalued they are potentially. Um, and, and so that's a good map to just look at. Look at your market, start researching the underlying fundamentals of markets that you're interested in. And if you've, you think there's gonna be some pain there, then maybe you start diversifying and buying in a couple of other markets once you learn the market, know the buy box, et cetera. Awesome. Very well said. Anna, where can people find you? Great. Every week here on my playlist, and you can find me on social media, Anna Kelly, REI Mom. My website is reimom.com if you're interested in coaching or speaking or masterminds. And if you are an accredited investor interested in investing in apartment communities where we make an impact, you can find me there at greaterpurposecapital.com. Awesome. Thanks, Anna. Thank you.